Good morning, beautiful friends. It's such an honor for me to come and just share with you again as we continue in our Bible study on Matthew 5 to 8. This is week 6 and today I'm going to be focusing specifically on Matthew 6 verse 5 to 8 talking about prayer. So Father, I want to thank you for such an anointing and for such clarity and for such revelation as I share this morning on your beautiful word where you taught your disciples how to pray. Okay, Matthew 6 verse 5 to 8 begins like this. And when you pray, and that word pray, pray means to worship and to make requests. So it's not about coming with a shopping list to the Father. It's about worshiping Him until you can sense the presence of God and know that He is so close to you. And then you just come and put your requests before Him. And you know what, friends, the most amazing thing is He even tells us which requests we are to put in front of Him. So isn't that just so wonderful? He goes on to say, Do not be like the hypocrites. And the word hypocrite means a pretender or an actor. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What is their reward? The attention that they get from other people. But then he says, but when you pray, go into your secret place, shut the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Go into your secret place. You know, the spirit of God is within you. So our secret place is go into the spirit man, into the place where the spirit of God is harbored. Shut the door to everything that distracts. It's your door, it's your eyes, it's your ears. It's everything that distracts you and, and connects you with the outside world. Shut that off. Go into that secret place. How do we get into our secret place? It's through worship, friends. The more that you worship God, the more that you just come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You start connecting with the spirit of God within you at a far greater level. And then he says, and pray to your father who is unseen. You see, friends, never are we told to shout at God as if somehow we are beggars. Or as if somehow we are servants and he can't hear us. As if he's so far off and he's somewhere out there looking at you. No, he's not. He's right within you. The Spirit of God is right within you. And we worship him until we sense his presence. You know, the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God is with us. And the Spirit of God comes on us. And when the Spirit of God comes on the Spirit that is within there is an absolute explosion of the glory of God. And that's where Father is. Father is in glory. And when you experience glory, you just talk to him. You don't shout at him. You just whisper. And you just speak to him so intimately and so closely. And then it goes on to say, Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you openly. It's such an intimate relational time with daddy you know friends i don't have to go and ask somebody else to speak to my father on my behalf i just go to my earthly father and i go and speak to him because i know him i love him i have a relationship with him and because he's always attentive to my voice he knows me he loves me and he can't wait to spend time with me as much as i can't wait to spend time with him and in the same way friends that is the relationship we are to have with our Heavenly Father. And when you pray, 
Do not keep on babbling, using vain, repetitive words, repeating the same thing over and over again, using many words. Another word for that is chanting. Just chanting. Friends, that is what that is what religion does. That's what the pagans do. That's what people do that don't have a relationship with God. They think by being loud, by being noisy, by using many words, by chanting, by saying things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, that somehow God is going to hear them. The Bible says, as the heathens do, which means pagans, Gentiles, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need even before you ask him. You know, friends, he's not waiting for us to ask him for our needs. He's waiting for us to worship him, to love him, to spend time with him, to desire his presence, to desire more of him, to get to know his perfume, to get to know his presence, to get to know his feel, to get to know his strength and his love, to go deeper and deeper and deeper into our relationship with him. This then is how you should pray. And then Jesus starts telling them how to pray. He starts off with a very intimate, our Father. Our, meaning all of us share the same Father. And then Father, because Father talks about a relationship between a son and his dad. And you know, the Bible says that we are sons of God, and that's not a gender position, friends. It's an authority position. We are sons of God. And then it goes on to say, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy, purified, sanctified, free of guilt and shame. We start by acknowledging that because of the power of God in our lives, we are rendered holy. We are purified. We are sanctified. We free of guilt and we free of shame. We start acknowledging that his presence is holy and that it washes and it purifies and it cleans us. And so just by coming into his presence and saying, hallowed be your name, we are drawing the purifying power of the kingdom of God into our lives. Holiness, purity, goodness, mercy. And then it go, the word name is onoma, which means the name that is used in for everything, the name that covers everything, all of his authority, all of his character, and all his commands, all that he is and all that he does. Friends, that means that when we come before the Father and we say, holy, holy, purified, sanctified, Glorious is your name. We draw from him the very name that we are needing. Friends, if you've come before him with worship and supplication because you are needing for him to provide for you, you're drawing from God the provider, which is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If you're needing him to be to bring you peace because you've been anxious. You're drawing from the name of Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. My friends, if you're needing to draw from him because you're wanting power, you're drawing from Elohim, the God of power and might. If you want to draw from him because you're needing a, a banner, because you're needing protection, you're drawing from the name Jehovah Nasi. If you're coming into his presence because you're needing healing, friends, you're drawing from Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. 
And if you're coming before him because you want to repent for sins, you're drawing from Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies me. And that's just to mention a few friends. So when we come before the Father and we say, Our Father in heaven, in that incredible fixed place called the kingdom of God, that is that is eternally endless on one side and eternally endless on the other side. That is the habitation of God. But the Spirit of God is in habitation within us, friends. And the Spirit of God is brooding wherever the kingdom of heaven is. The people and the places and the animals that are under the influence of God. Hallowed be your name. Holy, purified, sanctified be your name. Which name? All, the great all, everything that he is. Because every part of what you are needing, you are coming to draw from and to be comforted by. And God wants to offer you every single thing you need as you say your name. The very part of him that wants to give you and, and touch you and heal you and protect you and provide for you is being drawn from because you are worshipping all of him. Isn't that amazing? My friends, God is so much bigger than we are. He's so much more powerful than we are. We've got such a small understanding of our God. But God is all and he is so big and he is so powerful and he has so much to offer him. And just by coming into his presence and just by whispering, our Father, you are already in the position where the almightiness of God can pour into your life. We approach the Father in worship, acknowledging that He is holy. He is powerful. He is the highest authority. He is ever-present. He's ever-faithful. He's our provider. He's our healer. I just get so emotional when I speak about Him because He's just so amazing. He's just so wonderful. And then we go on to say, your kingdom come. That means asking the Father to establish his authority, his dominion, his rule, his governance, his realm, his territory in our lives and around us. Your will be done. That means his commands, his choices, his decrees, his pleasures, his precepts, his law, everything that is part of him in the heavenly realm and part of what delights him in the heavenly realm we call into our lives and into everything that is around us and it goes on to say in earth as it is in heaven you know friends for such a long time i believed it was on earth as it is in heaven but it's not and god arrested me to look into this a little bit deeper and you know what? It's just the most amazing thing that I found. Do you know that the word I-N, which in English means to put inside something, I've got coffee in my cup, has about five or six different meanings in the Greek. It doesn't mean what we think it means. And for us to understand and to grasp what God is saying, we've actually got to take a deeper look because there are two words in used right here within a few, a few short words of each other. In earth as it is in heaven. And in earth and in heaven have two completely different meanings. In heaven means a fixed position in place, time or state. It means 
fixed in that what was established in heaven is not going to change and not going to move. But it is eternal, which means God's plans, God's purposes, what God has foretold, what he foreknew, what he predestined is not going to change. That's been fixed. That has been established. But heaven is eternal. It's eternal from, from if we look back into the past, there's no end to eternity. And as we look forward into the future, there's no end to the eternity of heaven. But the plans and the purposes of God are fixed. The state of what God intends is fixed, friends. And what does that word state mean? It means the character of God, the state of mind, the attitude, the state of affairs. You know, the Bible says yesterday, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The moral understanding of what God feels morally is right is fixed. The emotional state, he is never in a bad mood. He's never up and down. He's never going from one place to another. He's never bipolar. He is always in an attitude of healthy emotions. He's always full of joy because in his presence is fullness of joy. And there's nothing but joy in the presence of God. God can get sad when he sees what we do. But his, but his emotional state is always joyful. He, his um, frame of mind is always in a good place. And his circumstances is always the same. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace and joy. The word state also means a nation or a territory. It means a government. And so God is always positioned permanently fixed in the government of heaven. The nation of heaven is being brought down. The sovereign state of heaven is being called down to earth. It cannot be moved because God said it. He established it and it is established. It is established in place, in time. And in state. So we have to understand that there is no time in heaven. Heaven is eternal. There's no time barriers. There's nothing in heaven that, that causes um, the beginning and the end because there is no beginning and end in heaven. But what God has planned for different times on earth is going to happen, friends. And there is nothing that's going to change that because God has declared that. But when we look at the, at the word in earth, it has a completely different meaning. It means the superimposition of time, place, and order. Let there be a superimposition in what we call time, in what we see as place, and in the order of things, and change what's on earth so that it will become as in heaven. Isn't that amazing? as in the abode of God. Now the word superimposition means it's a placement of an image or a video on top of an already existing image or video, usually to add to the overall image affected, but also sometimes to conceal something. If one image is superimposed on another, it is put on top so that you can see the second image through it. And I've got a photograph here of a ruin, and it's a ruin of a very ancient building, like an archway, something like the Notre Dame. And there's just a small part of it left, and they have superimposed the original building on top, so that in the photograph you can see what was originally there and what's left. Now friends, that's what God does. That the moment that we come before our almighty, all-powerful Father that presents everything we need in every one of the names of God, 
And we ask him to let his kingdom come into our lives, which means into the time, into the place, and into the order. In earth, and earth means the ground, the people, and the animals. When we ask God to superimpose the ground with what is originally planned in heaven for this time, Friends, he comes to barren ground. He comes to fallow ground. He comes to ground that's arid. And as we call heaven to earth in that ground, friends, he comes and reignites growth and life and life in abundance because heaven is life in abundance. And the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And wherever the enemy is stolen, friends, we can ask God to superimpose heaven's order, time, and state into the ground, into people, and into animals. And God comes and he restores the original picture, friends. And that is the power that God has for us daily to live in. You see, friends, the glory of living for Jesus Christ is that we've been put on this earth to take back what the devil has stolen. And in our daily prayer, as we just come before the Father, and we say, oh, Father, we just want to worship you. We want to glorify you. We want to acknowledge how incredibly big you are. And our first request is, let your kingdom and your will be restored back into my life for this time, for this place, and in this state of mind that I am in. Let the fullness of heaven and the fullness of your will be superimposed back into my life, that where I can only see ruins, you can see far more than that. And friend, it happens in three areas. It happens in time, which means time is made up of yesterday, of past, present, and future. A definition for time is this, the indefinite contained progress of existence and events in the past, present, and future regarded as a whole. So time, my lifetime, exists of my past, my present, and my future that makes up the whole of my lifetime. But I am in a lineage, friends. I'm in the lineage of my forefathers. And every one of my forefathers is part of the time that God has got for me. And so, friends, God, the great I am, is ever present in yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all at the same time. Now, we can't grasp that because we see everything in these little blocks of time called past, present, and future. And when somebody dies, we think it's finished. And we think because yesterday is dead and gone that God is in today and in tomorrow. But yesterday, whatever happened, it's not able to be fixed. No, that's not true because God is still active in the generation before us. God is active in our past. God is active in our present and God is already active in the destiny of the future. Friends, we've got to see that God, heaven, is. And whatever we have already lived in short little time periods on earth, he is still active. Now, if there's something that's still operating in your life, in that you've still got pain and you've still got trauma, and you've still got hurt from a time past that is still alive in you. Even though the time has gone, that experience is still causing death in your life. Well, as much as that is still alive in you, 
The God of heaven is still alive and ready to superimpose into that place and bring restoration. And that's the power of God, friends. That is the glory of God. And that's why our daily prayer is to ask God to bring heaven into our yesterday, into the, the, the sins of our forefathers, friends. Now, we don't understand this. God will never violate a person's choice. So if somebody made a choice to do something wrong in the past, in our forefathers, or even in our own lives, he will not violate that. But friends, the moment somebody repents, he removes the legal right the enemy had to cause pain and destruction. And that is the power of the superimposition that God gives us the grace for Every time that we pray. The disciples understood this, friends, because the Greek word that means superimposition was a Greek word that was used when God taught them. But for generations, we have not only been taught not in earth, but on earth. And no one has ever stopped to create an understanding and let us see what Jesus was really saying. And he was saying that when you come before the Father and you say, let your kingdom, let righteousness, peace and joy and the eternal kingdom of heaven and its fullness and your will and your pleasure and your commands and all of that come and be superimposed into my life, into my past, into my present and into my destiny. Do you know what that means, friends? That Jesus, if we come before him and we allow him to, will remove every legal right that was opened by, the, by our forefathers, where they have opened the doors to Freemasonry, to witchcraft, where they've got involved in things that were an offense to heaven and that stopped them from entering into heaven. As we repent, their choices we can do nothing about. But the doors that they opened will be shut, friends. Because we have repented and we've asked God to come into that space and to bring heaven into earth and he will turn around. There are people sitting battling in poverty stricken places today because somebody opened the door to a spirit of poverty and a spirit of rejection in their bloodline. And God says, let me in and let me come and superimpose that. Allow me to come in. I am still working there. I'm still the great I am is in heaven. The eternity of heaven going one way to the other. There's no end to the eternity of heaven. And everything that he predestined and that he chose for your life, he is still working on to bring it into order, friends, and to bring it into place. But he can only do it if you invite him to do it. But so many people are not living in the fullness of their destiny because there's been something that is stolen from their life, friends. But as we come to the Father and we say, God, I'm so sorry. I can see it's operating. I can see rejections operating. I can see a poverty spirit operating. I can see a spirit of lust is operating. I can see witchcraft is operating. I can see these things are operating in my life. I'm not living in the fullness of abundant life. Come and superimpose. And friends, as we do that, God starts working in our hearts. And for me, there's nothing more powerful than seeing a person being set free because they encounter heaven. And they see what God is doing. Now it says it does it in three places in time, in place, in habitation, and in order. Bringing things back to the order of God. Now, if you've got forefathers that have never opened the book of life over their life to see what God's plan was for them. That book is still waiting in heaven. And the, everything that was planned in their life is still waiting to come into fruition. 
But God is wanting someone to say, I want to bring that. I want to, I want to do those things in my time so that my descendants are living in the fullness of time that you've created for them. You know, the Bible says in Acts 17 verse 26, God knows the exact times and places that we are to live so that some may get to know him. And so many people are not living in the fullness of God's plans because they've shifted and moved out of places because of fear, because of more money, because of all kinds of other reasons that are not kingdom of heaven reasons, friends. And if you're in the wrong place, there's no grace. You know you're in the right place. Even if you're in a war-torn place, a war-torn country, you're in the right place when you are in the middle of the hand of the Almighty God and you've got grace for where you are. And why has he put you there? Friends, he doesn't put us places for our comfort. He puts us places so that some can get to know him. Now, the moment that we say, God, superimpose, bring back, bring things back into order in my life, bring things back into order in my place of habitation, in my city, in my town, and everything that is around me. Bring things back into order in arrested time. Now, friends, when somebody has had a trauma in their life, when something terrible happened, for example, all those fathers going off to war, there were a generation of children that were left fatherless, that were arrested and their hearts were arrested. Or your parent dies unexpectedly, or your parents go through a divorce, or you in a car accident where somebody is killed. In that moment, friends, there is an arresting of time in our emotional body. Our emotions get arrested. Our body carries on growing. Our person carries on. We get older, but our emotional heart stays at that same place. And that's why there's so many people that still behave like three or four-year-olds because emotionally that's where they were arrested. They have temper tantrums. They perform like little children. They overreact. They do not think clearly or logically. They scream, they shout, and they sulk, and they brood just like little children because they have never learned to grow up emotionally because of a trauma, friends. Or they may have been arrested in their teenage years before their frontal lobe was fully developed. So they've never learned to take the consequence of their actions. So whenever they're in a crisis, they do the most ridiculous things like get drunk and go and drive their car or go and gamble away their full monthly salary because their frontal lobe was not developed when they were emotionally arrested. And so they continue for the rest of their life behaving like teenagers. And you can see because you know when somebody's been emotionally arrested, other people will grow past them. They'll have incredibly good friends until that emotional age is reached and suddenly people will grow past them because others will grow up and they haven't. That's when we can ask for the superimposition of God to come into a person's life. And friends, it's the most glorious thing to see. And what I do when I pray for people and I say, oh God, just let your kingdom come, I take them back to the memory of their deepest pain. Now friends, it is incredibly painful. Why? Because it's still active. It might be the past, but it's still alive and it's still killing. And I ask the Holy Spirit, the Jesus, the, the Trinity of heaven, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who is still working in that space and time, to reveal the work of heaven for them and so I get them to close their eyes I get them to encounter Jesus in in Psalm 23 or somewhere where they can see him and they can encounter him and they can read the word they can read what it says about Jesus they can close their eyes they can visualize Jesus in that scene and once they visualize Jesus in that scene he becomes alive to them because you see friends the the the, the canvas 
to us connecting in this first world, in this first heaven, to the third heaven, is by closing our eyes and letting God put a vision on the canvas of, of our imagination. And the moment that they can see Jesus, they usually go very calm. And then I ask them to remember the trauma and they get terribly upset because it's still working in death. And they remember the terrible memory and they remember the fear and the anxiety and the trauma. And then I pray for Jesus to reveal to them what heaven is doing. And friends, to watch that surgery happen as God superimposes heaven into their lives in that moment is the most glorious thing to see. I have seen people getting instantly healed that have battled for 30, 40, 50 years in a trauma that was arrested in time in their soul, friends. And as they just allow the superimposition of heaven to come into that place, and Jesus shows them what he is doing, how he turns it around, how he brings healing, how he restores, how sometimes they feel like they went through a terrible thing. For example, they may have been raped and it might have been the most terrible experience and they can't understand what happened. But by asking Jesus to come and superimpose, friends, he comes and comforts them. He comes and loves them. He comes and heals them. He comes and takes away the trauma, the fear, the shame, the guilt, the suicidal thoughts, the depression. And he comes and completely restores. And you know, the Bible says in, in, in Isaiah 61, he takes our ashes and he makes them beautiful. And then our life becomes the greatest vengeance against the work of the evil one. Friends, God is busy superimposing heaven's perfect, glorious plan, heaven's predestined plan into every situation of arrested time that we ask him to go into. But friends, not only arrested time, where we ask him to, to come into the lives of our, of our children and our children's children. And we say, thank you for releasing angels into the destiny and sealing them to your plans and purposes. Because friends, the Bible says, wherever we pray and we bind on earth what's bound in heaven and we loose on earth what's loosed in heaven, and two or more agree, we come into agreement with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it will be established. And I want to tell you something, that many a grandmother and many a grandfather have prayed the next generation into the fullness of God just because they called heaven to earth and they asked God to release angels. I can remember as a little girl sitting at my grandfather's dining room table after dinner and he used to pray for his nageslachter, for his descendants, that they would know God. And it's because of his prayers, friends, because I did not grow up in a family that were Christian, that were spirit-filled, they were religious, but not even that they did well. But it's because of his prayers that his grandchildren are serving God today. And then we had the privilege as, as his grandchildren and as the children of our parents of being able to bring our parents into the greatest glory of knowing Jesus. And it's such an honor for me that both my parents know Jesus. And it's just such a wonderful thing, friends. But my grandfather prayed for his nageslachter, for his grandchildren. 
And I want to tell you, friends, we have the authority and the power in the name of Jesus, through the power of the blood of Jesus, to daily, daily, friends, daily. How amazing is that? Come before the Father, worship Him and love on Him, and then to ask Him to establish His kingdom, friends, and His will and His predestined plans, not only into our lives, but into arrested times and brokenness in our life. To repent for where doors were opened by our predecessors that allowed the enemy to steal and kill and destroy. For asking him to release angels to go and fetch the finances that's owed to us friends. That which was robbed away, that which was gambled away, that which was badly abused and lost. As we repent, we ask him, friends, to go and do that, to release his kingdom back into, the, into that time so that he can bring into the fullness of our time what was predestined for our time. Friends, it's the most glorious privilege. It's the most glorious, glorious privilege to be able to do that. Joel 2 verse 25 to 26 says, And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent against you, and you shall eat in plenty. That is the promise of super of superimposition, friends. That is the promise. You will have plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. That is the promise, friends, of superimposition. When we call heaven to earth and the will of God to earth in our time, in our place, and in our order. The word place means a place refers to both the human and the physical characteristics of a location. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set before them and the exact places where they should live, so that some may find him. Acts 17 verse 26 that I quoted to you in the beginning. We have to ask God to superimpose into every location and to make his habitation even greater within us. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Righteousness, peace and joy. And among us, friends, it says in Ephesians 2 verse 22, you two are being built along with others into the place, the habitation of God's spirit to dwell. He brings order, friends, into disorder. He brings order into that which is disorder, disarray, chaos, confusion. He brings order into the disposition. He brings order into structure, into series. He brings order into organizations. So wherever you're working, if it's dark, friends, you call heaven and you call the will of God into that place. You bring God's order into that place. He just needs one person to repent so that he can bring into that place what he pre-planned. Remember, God ordained everything every city the enemy has come in and contaminated and brought it into derelict state but he's looking for those that know how to pray his will and his kingdom into every place and into every order god of peace wants to bring peace into our earth friends 
And you are the catalyst for that to happen. And how is that going to happen if you know how to pray for the superimposition of God daily? That is what he's looking for. A people that are prepared to do that. Friends, he's put you in a place and a time so that some can get to know him. As you usher in his kingdom and his will to be superimposed. Friends, you're not a victim. You are victorious. Whenever God comes and he superimposes into your past, he makes your present exactly what he intends for it to be. And your destiny is secured because you brought order into disorder. And friends, if you still see yourself a victim because of your past, you've never understood the grace and the glory of God. Our past gets longer every day because the past increases with every day that you live. But everything that you've done wrong, that's been done wrong to you and what that you willfully did, did wrong. Friends, God wants to absolutely superimpose that and makes it glorious so that your presence is full of him. That you're living in the perfect timing and the perfect place of everything that he has for you, friends. Not one person that knows Jesus Christ should ever die prematurely of what they've been predestined to do. My daily prayers, God, let me not fail you. Let everything that you wrote in my book of life be fulfilled through my life. You see, friends, there are two books about you in heaven. The one is the book of your life that God opens the day you were born. And he says to the angels, this is what I've got predestined for them. You help them to fulfill that. And he releases angels on our behalf, friends. But our choices will decide whether we will fulfill it or not. And the other one is the Lamb's book of life. Where your name is written in the day that you accept Jesus. But friends, the Bible says it can be deleted. And we've got to make sure that we are an overcomer. That live to the end before we go home to be with him. That our name is written in his book. And not just our name is written in his book. But we fulfill the fullness of the destiny that he has for us in our own book. In our book of life. God wants to bring the fullness of his kingdom into our lives, friends. You know, the accepting Jesus means that we are justified, rendered innocent. Coming into the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit means we are sanctified. The superimposition of God is the sanctifying power of God coming and changing what was and establishing what's to be. And the glorification of God means to be restored to our predestined created state, to be who he created us to be. Because he says in Romans 8 verse 28 to 30, And we know that in all things God works together for the good for those who love God, to them who are the called according to his purposes, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his sons, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Friends, there's nothing more powerful than understanding the power and the grace that God gave when he said to the disciples, this is how you should pray. And I want to say to you today, it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter where your forefathers have been. The God Almighty, Jesus, his son and the Holy Spirit are still presently working in your past to bring scrolls down that haven't been opened. Those books of life that have not been opened, he wants them manifested and fulfilled to restore that which was stolen by the enemy to heal the traumas, 
and to establish in your life today everything that you need in your place, in your time, and the order around you to be all that he created you to be. All it takes is a heart that's prepared to say, Our Father. God bless you, my beautiful friends. We will continue with the Lord's Prayer next week. But until we meet again, this is Kathleen Delahunt. Goodbye.